Well, good morning, everyone. I just got back from uh, Peru this past week, so I guess I would say buenos dias, hermanos y hermanas. Um, but I won't speak in Spanish because you wouldn't understand it. I'm not that good. But it was a, it was a great time down in Peru. I was visiting the, the New Hope Orphanage down there that our family supported for many years and the church has supported lately. It was a great time to be able to meet some of the new missionaries that are down there, reconnect with the kids and kind of see what was going on down there. Uh, one, of, one of the great things you got to do, as I, I was excited about, was uh, they had a container come in from the States. And it was uh, out of Richmond, Virginia. They filled it with mattresses and beds and sheets and office furniture and computers. And it arrived when I was down there. So uh, I was very excited to be able to be there for that. But that excitement uh, dissipated very quickly when I learned how to help unload it. That was awesome. Uh, I'm still very, very sore. And one of the missionaries dropped a uh, toolbox on my finger. So uh, being in a third world country, I didn't really go to get health care. So it's kind of uh, a little sensitive right now, but I'm doing all right. But uh, the, the funny thing about this, this container being delivered is that uh, when they pull up in front of the orphanage, um, they had to have two of the trucks come with cranes on them and lift it up off the truck and the truck would drive away and they're going to set it on the sidewalk there in front of the orphanage. Now, in a very un-Peruvian fashion, the, the, the guys with the um, crane trucks actually went down the street and put cones up to block the street off and tell people, you know, you can go another way, you don't have to come up there. Because in Peruvian, uh, in Peru, uh, driving is a competitive sport. You really don't want to give anyone else a competitive advantage in any way, shape, or form. Don't ever use your blinker. Your horn is the most important thing on the vehicle. And you've got to be like two inches in front of the car in front of you because if you give any more space, they're going to cut you off and get in front of it. So I was kind of shocked that they put these cones up and actually warned people. But in a very Peruvian fashion, I sat there and I watched his cars that actually just drive through the cone. And when they got up to the place where the street was completely blocked off, they would yell something out in Spanish, which I couldn't understand and probably couldn't repeat, and then floor it and turn around and drive off angrily. And I sit there watching this unfold, and I, the only thing I think of was like, gosh, if, if they only just had a sign, if they only just had something to tell them not come down the street, which they did, with the cones. And as I was sitting there watching this, like, driver after driver after driver, like, the cones were just kind of a, a, a slight annoyance for them, I, I kind of reflected on my own life and was like, man, how many times is that me? How many times do I find myself at a dead end or a detour going, why wasn't there a sign? Why didn't someone warn me not to do this? And I think, you know, Jesus is looking down and going, you know, I put the cones in the road, buddy. What else do you want? You know, I think we find ourselves in those situations all too many times. We're, we're at a dead end. We're at... Uh, a time in our lives where we don't understand what's happening because we haven't seen the signs. We haven't seen the, the natural order of things that have been placed before us to see where God's already working and God's already moving. And that's kind of what we're looking at this morning with this Roman officer, is a, is a person who's looked at the natural order of things and could see exactly where Christ was moving. Now, um, so when Tyler asked me for the, the passage, I've been up for about 40 hours trying to get home, and so I gave him the Luke passage, and we're actually going to be in the Matthew passage, but it's okay. We'll take a look at both. It's interesting, and I'll discuss both as it is. So uh, we're going to be, in the Matthew passage, will be up 
on the screen here, and it's Matthew 8, 5 through 13, if you have your Bibles with you. Now, uh, this miracle in Matthew is sandwiched between two others. It's the healing of the leper, which happens. Then he, does, he heals the centurion's servant, and then he heals Peter's mother, uh, mother-in-law. Now, what's interesting about these three healings is it, it's a leper, it's a Gentile, and it's a woman. Three people that culturally would have looked down upon in this time. And so people would have taken notice of this, especially the Pharisees and the Jewish people, that Jesus was going after the excluded individual. And it's a message that Matthew tried to preach as often that the message of Christ, the kingdom of heaven, is inclusive. It's for everybody. And he's opening up and reminding them through these passages and through these miracles of what he's doing. So this series that we're looking at, we're looking at the miracles of Jesus. And specifically how they affected the individual. Now the interesting thing about this miracle is we don't know much about the person who actually got healed. We know they were a slave. We know that they're sick. And that they're in a Roman centurion's house. That's about it. The interesting thing about this miracle is about the person that comes to Jesus for the miracle. And that's what we're going to look at and dig in a little deeper this morning. So there's four things we're going to look at this morning about this story. And the first part of this passage we're going to look at, it has to do with the authority. And the scripture states, this is out of Matthew 8, 8. It says, but the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I, too, am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, the Roman officer understood authority because he had people underneath him. Uh, he was a commander of a hundred soldiers, thus the centurion, if you know a little bit about your Latin, uh, it means a hundred. So he had a hundred soldiers under him, and when those above him wanted him to do something, they gave an order and he did it. When he wanted his soldiers to do something, he gave an order and it got done. This is how the military functioned back then, pretty much how the military functions today. When in the midst of battle, when you have something to be done, the authority can't be questioned. It just has to be executed in the midst of battle in order for everything to work out perfectly. The Roman officer understood this from his perspective. He understood authority. And he knew if Jesus was who he said he was, then he possessed this type of authority. And that's what he was looking at. The same authority we saw Jesus display over nature and calming the seas, over health, over our bodies, when he heals, when he raises people from the dead, when he goes against the natural order of things, even Peter walking on water was showing his authority. He had an authority not only as a leader, but as something much, much greater. Because even those in the church, remember he's a Gentile, he wasn't a Jew, the same authority could be recognized. And we fall under that authority. That's something we need to recognize in our own lives. In Romans 13, 1-7, Paul talks about the natural authority of things. So at first being God, then other people, then government. But he says all this only exists because of the authority of God and the authority that God allows other people to have. Which what we can take away if we look at our given political, religious, social environment, what are some words you would explain 
uh, back to other people right now, our current environment. Hostile. Hostile. What else? Divided. Divided. Getting further apart. What? Chaos. Chaos. Yeah, really positive things are going on, huh? But that's the point, because when you look at our environment, when you look what's going on in our culture, in our in our politics and religion, it seems like we all argue about anything. And when we look at this, when we look at the grand scheme of things and just how contentious and chaotic things it is, we we can come to one conclusion. You know what? That's all right. Because God is in control. God is the ultimate authority. It does not matter what's going on when it comes to men. Because he has the ultimate control. If God is still on his throne, he's in control and reality, nothing else matters. This last Sunday when I was in Peru, it was actually election day. So I gotta I gotta go through two elections in one year. <laughs> But it was, uh, it was their local elections uh, for mayor and governor, and it was like, it was very unique. Because um, I, don't, I don't think my Peruvian politicians are more corrupt than the United States. They're just, everyone knows it. It's just kind of understood that everyone's corrupt. You, you carry 50 soles in your pocket in case you get pulled over because you just give it to the cops and they let you go. That's just kind of understood. Um, up until recently, the last four presidents of Peru were all in jail together. So that's a special thing. Uh, so, and, and um, like some of the missionaries, when they go down there, uh, after a year, you need to get your Peruvian driver's license, which is evidently impossible to get. And the way they drive, I don't understand because there's no rules to understand or follow. But you can basically, when they go in, they'll tell you, hey, do you want to take the test or just get, pay us $150 and get your ticket? I get your license. You know, it, there's just this corruption that goes on down there. And when you watch this unfold, whether it's there or here, you have to understand that when you put your faith in man, you're always going to be disappointed. When you look at the authority uh, of humankind, you'll always be let down because of corruption or, or, or uh, just dishonesty. That's why we ultimately always have to put our faith in God. Because he is the ultimate authority no matter what. Because it's been this authority since the beginning of time and it'll continue long after we've gone to heaven. And that's really where our thoughts should be. Instead of wondering what the latest pundit is saying, what's going on in society, let's put our faith, let's put our trust in the authority of God. And that's what this Roman centurion understood was this ultimate authority. So the next thing we need to look at in this is the faith of this centurion. And the passage says, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Let me get this mic right. So this passage says that Jesus was amazed and he was marveled. Now I kind of equate this, you know, as a parent, when you know your kid did something wrong, I mean, you got proof. You're going to nail the wall. And you go to them, and every other time you go to them, it's a battle. No, I didn't do it. No, I shouldn't be punished. No, no, no. But there's that one time you go to them and you say, hey, I want you doing this, and they go, yeah, you're right. I did it. I should be punished. I don't know what that looks like either, but I've heard other people talking about it. <laughs> and it's, it I, it's, I think that Jesus has that same type of, of mentality, like, 
hey, I think this verse should be healed, okay, let's just go and get it done. Like, no, we don't have to go. I know who you are. Just say the word we get done. Whoa. You know, I don't know if Jesus can be caught off guard, but at any point, this is where he's caught off guard. Like, I've never seen a type of faith in all of Israel. Because this man believed that into the authority of what he's seeing than what Jesus can do. Now, this is an interesting aspect that we can't um, overlook because this is where we find the Roman officer. Jesus sees a faith that he hasn't seen before. Because, you know, all, all the times he, he's kind of gone head to head with the Pharisees, he probably had his canned, like, little, okay, you know, um, I'm going to have to, like, say a few things because these people don't believe. But all of a sudden, there's this amazing faith that comes in. Because what you have to understand about this Roman officer is he had the faith to believe in the miracle before the miracle happened. How often does that come about? You know, how many times I go, if I I just had a miracle, if I just could see something, see God move, then I believe. You know, historically, just look at the read Exodus. The, the, the children of Israel saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle and still constantly and consistently turned away. Miracles don't change you. Miracles don't bring more faith. Like the Roman officer, the faith comes before the miracle. And that's what made him believe, is having this tremendous amount of faith. And what's interesting here is, is, is this individual drew his faith over what he experienced, over what he saw. He, he allowed the natural in life to define the supernatural of what he saw. He knew there was a natural order of things that he reported to someone and others reported to him, and it happened in a natural way. Now, to break this down a little bit, this is kind of simple and outlandish. Simple because it makes sense. Outlandish because it is so simple. Think about it for a moment. You get up in the morning and the sun rises. You go to bed, the sun goes down. Our earth exists on this specific axis in rotation that goes around the sun at a certain speed in the context of our own little galaxy that exists in our universe. If all that just kind of happened, it's insane. But if you don't believe it just happened, then you believe that God made everything so perfectly aligned that this happens every day and doesn't fall apart. And if you believe that, why is it so hard to believe that God is active and moving in our lives? If we can have the faith that I can have gravity and I'm going to walk and get up and move around, can we have the faith that God is going to do mighty things in your life, in the lives of those around you? Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, and it's the evidence of things we cannot see. That is using the natural order of things to define the supernatural. Because Are there things in your life you just don't understand? Or is it just me? Just me? Okay. <laughs> Never mind me. Um, a lot of things happen that I, I can't grasp. I can't get my mind around. You know as a person who's lived in the chronic pain for over 20 years, I don't understand it. But I have faith in what God's going to do through me. I have faith in what His light and His understanding is going to happen. 
And that's true of so many other things in our lives. But this is our daily choice. To look around this amazing place we live and see this beauty. Yeah, having been back in our house finally after 10 months for, for a couple of weeks, you know, Eric and I just remarked about how beautiful like, our view is. You know, to look out the window and just see the sunrise and the sunset and the snowfall. We live in such an amazing place and it's so hard to see this beauty. And we can reject where it came from, but we can believe and have faith that this is God's wonderful plan, that he created it, and it's for our beauty in our lives. So the third thing about this story, we had authority, we had faith, and now we have rejection. And Jesus kind of takes a detour here, and he states, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, in that place they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this is kind of an interesting response from Jesus, but he never misses an opportunity to teach, because that's just kind of who he is. Now, for this scene, Jesus had been, he'd done the Sermon on the Mount, and he'd come down, and he was kind of touring around Galilee, doing teaching more and, and doing miracles. And that's kind of where he found himself. And he would have been with his disciples, so it would have been like this... Um, you know, these 13 men walking around. And, and we're assuming just because of where the centurion met them that they were out in the city of Capernaum somewhere. Now, if you were a Roman officer, you wouldn't have traveled alone. So, depending on if you read Matthew or Luke, in Matthew, the Roman officer comes and meets Jesus. So, he would have had his entourage with him. All the other officers, uh, he probably had some Jewish leaders that were with him because they would have kind of interceded for Jesus because they. The, the Roman officer they were trying to play nice with because it makes them look good too. So there would have been this group of Roman officials and Jewish officials coming to meet Jesus, which would have been two big groups coming together, which probably would have draw, drawn a bigger crowd because the people would have been wondering, why is this Roman officer coming to see Jesus? Even some thinking, are they, is he going to arrest Jesus? So there's this crowd around him, and Jesus knows the heart of the crowd. And he probably knows that there's Pharisees and Jewish officials in there. And that's why he takes the opportunity to say what he says. He talks about the faith that he's just seen and amazed by it. But then he flips the coin and says, you know what? For some of you rejected it. This kingdom, the kingdom of heaven that came specifically for you Jews, you're rejecting. Yet here stands this Gentile man who wants his Gentile servant to be healed with more faith than you guys. It's kind of a slap in the face that this Gentile man who doesn't know Christ has more faith than you do because you've rejected it. And I think that's where we all find ourselves because we can reject the natural order of things, can't we? Which some do, and Christ tells us if you do, there'll be consequences. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's consequences to pay when we, when we reject the natural order of things. <laughs> now, there's been times in my life where, where I've kind of tried to reject the natural order of things, and then I've 100% failed every time I've done this. You know, there's always consequences to pay. With a body like mine, like, you know, gravity and me don't really get along very well, you know, but I still try. I still kind of push the limits. And when I was in college, I went to Baylor University, and I helped uh, start the rugby team there. Now, it was just a bunch of fit guys who had no idea what we were doing. We were just wanting to play rugby. 
And if you know me, I'm, I'm kind of strong and not fast. Um, I'm the guy you call it move stuff, not to uh, do anything quickly or fast. But as, as we were practicing one day, we were having a scrimmage, and one of the guys on that team, he broke through the scrum, and he's running down the field. So I go in my pursuit. Now, in this moment, I was actually gaining on him, which breaks the natural order of things. <laughs> because he's a lot faster than me. And I think as I realized that I was gaining on him, the adrenaline kicked in. I started running faster. And so I finally threw, flew myself through the air, which you're not really supposed to do in rugby, but I flew myself through the air, grabbed him by the waist, and drunk him in the air. As I got up, I had blood all over my face. And I said, okay, it's great at rugby, blood's awesome, I look good, let's just keep playing. So we finished the, the scrimmage, and as we got around as a group uh, of players to discuss kind of what, what happened in the, the day, they all looked at me and said, Eric, your nose is not in the right place. Because as I was running after him, he's running as hard as he can. As I dove in, his elbow just came back and clean broke my nose. There's consequences to pay when you break the natural order of things. <laughs> And that's, you know, that's kind of a humorous story, but that's why my nose is crooked, too, just so you know. Um, that's kind of what Jesus is getting at. So like, you can reject my message. You can reject what I'm saying, but there's consequences. And I think in our modern age, it's important to understand. You know, when we try to reject morality, when we try to reject sin and decrepit living, there are consequences to pay. You know, as our society tells us that, you know, do whatever you want. You know, there's no consequences. You don't have to suffer the consequences. There really are. Because there is a natural order to things. And this is what Jesus is trying to get across then. It's what he's trying to get across now. Is we can't expect to reject the natural order of things. An order given to us by the ultimate authority in God. And this is not some scare tactic to kind of tell you to turn and burn. It's just Jesus telling you this is how it is. I came to give you life. They give it abundantly. And they give it to you to choose or to reject. Because it is up to us to whether choose or reject what he gives us. The last aspect of the story is belief. And he, Jesus wraps up this story by saying, and to the centurion, go, let it be done because you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Amazing what belief can do, huh? Now, you might be asking what's the difference between faith and belief. And the best way to describe this is faith, or belief, is faith in action. You see, I, I can believe that this stool over here will hold me. I can have that faith, but until I actually sit in it, I don't really believe it. You know, the Roman centurion himself, he could have the faith that, you know what, Jesus, you can just say the word, and that guy, be, my servant will be healed. But just in case, could you come home with me? How many times have we done that? Oh, just in case, Dad. That's my backup plan. Oh, safety net. Because I trust you. I have faith in you. I don't always believe it's going to happen the way you say it is. That's what we see in this centurion is the belief. Because he says, no, Jesus, say the word. It'll get done. Wow. That's faith in action. You know, I can have the faith that God's word will change this valley from the kingdom of God. The lives will be changed and, and that Christ will come and fill it. 
But Christ is using each of you to get that done. I have faith, but I don't believe it until I actually go out and talk to my neighbor and tell him about the love of Christ. So I show the people down the street what that really looks like. So I be the light that is Christ in this valley. That is belief in who Jesus really is. Not just having the faith that, oh, it's going to get done. I'll sit back and wait and watch. Because Christ came and died on the cross so each and every one of you can not only have the faith in who he is, but believe it to the point that you put it into action and change the world for his good. This is the point of the entire passage. Unlike other miracles, like I said, we don't really know who this individual is that got healed. But we see the faith and we see the power and we see the authority and belief of a Roman soldier, a Gentile, who never even should have been in the picture. The point of this passage is for us to be able to recognize the authority which comes from God all around us. To be able to see the natural beauty and understand the supernatural that comes out of it. And ultimately, believe in the miracle before it even ever happens. So this week I challenge you to strengthen your faith. To put your faith into action. How can you look at this world around you? How can you look at this beauty that we live in? You leave here, it's going to be snowing. And it's going to be coming down and it's just covering the mountains. It's a beauty you can find in very few places. How can you look at that beauty in the natural order of things and believe in the supernatural? And most importantly, as I just mentioned, how can you believe in the miracle of your own life before it ever happens? Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the faith that we see in this uh, Roman centurion, Lord. That, that he can look around his own life and see the tremendous amount of authority that he has and understand that you carry the same amount of authority. Lord, I, I just pray in our own lives, Lord, we, we just not have faith, but we have faith of action. That we believe in you to the point that, that we can go out and spread your word and show your love to those around us and believe in what you're doing in our lives. I just pray that, that the miracles come because of our belief, Lord. Not that it changes our faith, but it strengthens it. Just thank you for these people. I pray over them as they leave this place, Lord, that they would be filled with you and they'd be just enriched and strengthened to do your work and do your work. And I just proudly think in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. As the band comes up and we go in this time of response, um, I'll be over in the corner if you need prayer. Uh, I just encourage you to think about this time, think about the response that, that Christ is calling you to.